You're listening to the weekly Joel Klatt segment podcast. Listen to it live every Wednesday between 8 and 8.30 a.m. during the football season. Presented exclusively by Audi Flatirons in Broomfield. Exceeding your experience from the first mile to the last. Joel Klatt joins us now for his weekly visit. We always look forward to that. It is presented by Audi Flatirons. He joins us now. Joel, happy new year, my friend. How are you? Good. Happy new year, guys. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, Joel. You know, just kind of chopping it up a little bit. And, um, you know, we're talking about the arrogance of, of fan bases. Um, yeah, you know what? When you were growing up here and you were rooting for the Broncos, did you have that Super Bowl or bust mentality? Well, not necessarily um, because, you know, my, my formative years uh, was watching the Broncos lose three Super Bowls in, what was it, four years. You know, and and watching the Bills lose four straight Super Bowls. And if if we want to be honest with ourselves and, and take us back, if you were a diehard fan of an AFC team from nineteen eighty, you know, when whenever the Raiders what was that, eighty three or something, you didn't see a Super Bowl win. And so there was this notion that it was a little bit out of reach. Uh, to actually win the Super Bowl. And and if you're being honest with yourself, you're, you'll remember those days as an AFC fan, a diehard Bronco fan. And, and I, I remember all those playoff games. I remember all of them. I remember sitting around watching, you know, before they changed the uniforms, the, the, the great Oilers uh, playoff game here in Mile High. I remember watching Gary Kubiak having to come in as a backup quarterback and and playing the AFC Championship game in Buffalo, in which Buffalo won and then went on to to lose one of their Super Bowls, and and I remember the Browns AFC Championship games, obviously, and and in in that era, it was hey, you know, like getting to the Super Bowl was the biggest deal. Just get there, just get there, because at that time, the 49ers specifically and the Giants and the Redskins. Uh, were winning the Super Bowls, and then Dallas, obviously, in the early 90s. And it wasn't until Bronco, the, the Denver Broncos actually burst that bubble that it was, I guess, okay to be like, hey, what, we can actually win this thing. The year before, the Patriots had, had crawled out there and gotten beat pretty handily um, by the Green Bay Packers, and then all of a sudden Denver rolls in. I believe they were 13-point dogs. Uh, Mark, yeah, in your the, game, at the beginning of the Green week, Bay, yeah, I think at, the, at, at game time we're eleven and a half point dogs, but we started off at thirteen, thirteen and a half. That's right, and and so that win by you guys was it shook the entire NFL and it shook the fan base. It was euphoric because there was a sense that we didn't think it was possible. And I remember John Elway talking all the time, at least publicly. I don't know what he was saying in the locker room, but obviously publicly he was saying, just give me a chance in the fourth quarter. That's all I want. I'd been in through all these Super Bowls, those three Super Bowls. We didn't have a chance late in the game, and that was his biggest strength was having a chance in the fourth quarter. Then, then after you guys beat Green Bay, that next year it changed, and it changed for all of us. As Bronco fans, because that next year you guys started out, I believe, twelve and zero or thirteen and zero before losing to the Giants late in the season, and and you lost another game as well late in the season. And Minnesota had gone fifteen and one, but it was like, listen, all comers, let's go. We're the best. We're going to win the Super Bowl. 
even when Bubby Brister was playing quarterback for that, uh, you know, a heavy majority of games during that season, it was still, hey, Super Bowl or bust during that season. Even the next year as Brian Greasy took over and there was some controversy about that because Bubby was so well-loved in the locker room, there was still this sense that, hey, this is still a team that's going to go win the Super Bowl. And ever since that point, I think it's been, we're going to go out there and compete for and win a championship. But I I did want to give that long dissertation just to jog everyone's memory. Before you guys beat Green Bay, it was very much the win on the AFC side was just getting there. Correct. Absolutely. Joel Clatt, we got a lot of ground to cover with you. Um, are we looking at the last week of Vic Fangio as head coach of the Broncos? Should we be looking at this as the last week of Vic Fangio as coach of the Denver Broncos? Of course. Of course. What are we talking about? <laughs> I mean, uh, absolutely. Now, having said that, I actually don't think it's the biggest factor in terms of what their success is moving forward. Uh, but it is a large factor, just not the biggest factor. And, you know, I, I just don't believe that he has proven that he can be the head coach of a very successful organization. He has proven, time and again, by the way, but has proven, even here in Denver, that he's an exceptional defensive coach. And I'm sorry, but that doesn't get you another year. It doesn't get you... Anything because you were hired to be something different. You weren't hired to be a great defensive coach. You were hired to be the head coach. And it has failed. Game strategy has failed time and time again. He's not good at w- with clock management. Their, their overall game plan has not been cohesive at times. Uh, the overall philosophy of how they're going to win and what they're going to do to win sometimes feels disjointed. So in, in his role, I don't believe that he has done the job necessary to stick around. Uh, but having said that, I don't think it's the biggest factor towards future success. I still think that that resides in the quarterback position. Oh, okay, quick follow-up then. So is there part of you that, that believes that Vic Fangio can still be a good NFL head coach and that he can't truly be evaluated as such until he gets that kind of quarterback? Well, you could say that about a lot of people, I would say. Um, or coaches. I, I, I do believe that when you're looking at head coaches all across the league, there are a very few number that are going to be successful without the quarterback. So that remains to be seen. It would be speculative of me to, to suggest that I know how Vic would do with the quarterback. You, you could, you could. I think read the tea leaves across the NFL and, and see that there are guys that regardless of who they have, they may have some success, but those are few and far between. Few and far between. So there is probably a ray of hope where Vic, depending on the quarterback, could go out there and, and have some success. But again, there there has been things that would suggest that the cohesive nature of the team, the overall game plan, the overall philosophy – the overall identity of this uh, of this organization has has been lost at times, and he feels lost at times. And so, even if you do have the quarterback, what you don't want to do is you you don't want to go swing big, hit the grand slam, get the quarterback needed to go win, and then place him with a guy that you just don't know about. Uh, because again, it remains to be seen whether he could be that guy even with the right quarterback. Hey, uh, 
you know, you, you spent a lot of time in uh, college football, obviously, and, and in Michigan, and the rumor out there right now, Jim Harbaugh potentially coming back to the NFL. I don't know if that's just a ploy to get one of those $100 million-plus contracts that college football just seems to be giving out. But uh, what do you – I mean, you, you've you spent some time with him. You know Jim Jim as well as just about anybody could know Jim, I suppose. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about his potential coming back to the NFL and would he fit here in Denver? Well, the one thing I do know about this guy is that it's virtually impossible to – predict what he's going to do. He's he's a bit eccentric. I know that he is happy at Michigan. Doesn't mean he won't leave. I don't think he's doing this as a ploy for money. If he was doing this for a ploy for money, he would have never agreed to the contract extension that he agreed to this last season in which it cut his uh, pay from previous years in half. You know, he made, I don't know the exact figure, it's not, I don't have it in front of me, but somewhere between 2 and $3 million just in bonuses. A lot of his restructure was incentive-based. And getting to the playoff, winning the Big Ten, beating Ohio State, winning the division, you know, coach of the year, all these incentives. So he made between, I think, 2 and $3 million just in bonuses. Um, I don't think that money drives this guy because he turned around and said that he and his wife – I believe her name's Sarah, um, are donating every cent of his bonus back to the athletic department to try to help um, with all the people that had to take pay cuts during the pandemic. So I, I don't believe that this guy is motivated to try to just go get his bag of money. It just He's never seemed like that guy, but he is a guy that can get, I think, bored in his, in his place. He loves challenges and I think he understands that his best attribute is probably coming in and and fixing a place in its first year or two rather than trying to be the longevity coach like a Nick Saban has been at Alabama. Uh, so having said that, I don't know. I, I, I really don't. I would find it hard to believe that he would go to the NFL. He seemed very happy. He seemed very happy with his new young uh, staff. His family loves it there, obviously, and they're having some success at Michigan. So I would be a little bit surprised, but it wouldn't shock me. Explain his brilliance. Explain his genius to us. What has made him so successful wherever he's gone, whether it be college or the pros? You, you mentioned he's eccentric, Identity. but what? Yeah, well, okay. Then what's his what's his genius? Well, it's it's that he understands how he wants to win football games. It's it's identity. You see, I, I'm a firm believer, and I think most uh, people that have, have been around football and seen successful football, they will know this deep down in their core, is that great programs or organizations have um, uh, a rare and, and unique insight into who they are. They know who they are before they know where they're going. You know, Bill McCartney used to start every single team uh, meeting in the spring and then again in the fall camp. And this is what made him so brilliant is, is he would talk about identity and we got to know who we are before we know where we're going to go. And before we're going to define goals, we're going to know who we are. We're going to know how we work. We're going to know the identity in terms of what we are as a football team. Jim Harbaugh has that. He understands what he wants his teams to be, how he wants them to work and what the philosophy is going to be in order to go win. They're going to play good defense. They're going to play hard-nosed football. They're going to run the football. They're going to do all these things that he has done throughout his career. Now, there have been seasons where he's straight a little bit, trying to chase things here and there, 
Uh, he chased the spread offense for a couple of seasons and then came back. But when you really come 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 down to it, the guy understands his identity, and it's what has allowed him to have success, guys, everywhere that he's been. And for all the detractors for Jim Harbaugh, this guy goes in there, and he understands how to give a program an identity and a winning identity. He did it at, at San Diego. Um, at San Diego, he went in there where they were a nothing program. He took them, and by the time he was gone, they were an 11-win conference champion. Stanford was a nothing program. He goes in there. By the time he's leaving, they're having Heisman Trophy finalists. They're, they're competing for the Pac-12 uh, at the time, Pac-10 at the time. Uh, they've got draft picks. They're playing in BCS bowl games. They're at the top end of college football. He goes to San Francisco. They were a middling NFC team, and all of a sudden he's in the NFC championship game year after year. Even taking, taking Colin Kaepernick to the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl for goodness sakes, being five yards from winning a Super Bowl. Then he goes to Michigan, and this, this program was in the absolute dregs of college football for the seven years that they were under Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke, and he immediately makes them a 10-win team in the first two seasons. He can give an identity and a winning identity, a tough identity. He understands fundamental football, and it's one of the reasons why he's been so good, in particular early in his tenure at wherever the location it, it has been. Yeah, you know what? He, just an interesting dude, no question about it. Interesting program, and um, one of those guys that's that's great to talk about. When when you think about the Broncos, though, you think about where they are right now and what they've done defensively, and you think about a potential of a new head coach. What what would you be looking for if you're making that decision? What would you be looking for in a coach? Speaking of identity, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I want the head coach that's going to have the best chance to lure the best free agent quarterback. That's what it comes down to. I'm, uh, <laughs> Mark, I'm an elitist. What can I say? It's all about the quarterback. Right. You know, I don't know. For me, I want the head coach that's going to lure the best quarterback. Who is that? What are his relationships? What is he bringing to the table that's going to lure? And let's, let's be honest, Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, mm-hmm. isn't that the biggest fish out there? Isn't that the underlying subject of the entire offseason is that is, is Denver's roster good enough to lure Aaron Rodgers? Because if you get him, your championship window is immediately open. Immediately. Just as it was when Peyton Manning chose Denver, even with his neck injuries. Uh, I mean, we had this understanding that if healthy, and, and signs pointed towards the fact that he was, even in somewhat of a diminished state as far as his physical ability, the championship window was open. See, this is the target, folks. This is the, the dirty little secret. I don't think that you're going to build or develop at this position. Can you go get number 12? Can you go get him? Because that means that your championship window is open. So I want the head coach that's going to give me the best chance to lure that guy to come play in the Denver Bronco uniform. Bouncing back to college football. A record 3,000 NCAA football players have entered the transfer portal in the last two months alone. Is this a good or bad thing for college football, college sports? Well, it's it's ultimately the good outweighs the bad, but that doesn't mean that there aren't unintended consequences, you know, to this. And and part of the problem is that the adults in the room in college football, and I and I hesitate to to say adults, but the adults in the room in college football have failed utterly. They've kind of thrown up their hands. They don't like making difficult decisions, and a lot of that is because of the red tape and bureaucracy that runs rampant within college football. There's too many academics. 
The problem that we all understand over the last couple of years in particular that we understand is that academics are actually very stupid. Why? Because they base themselves in theory and not reality. And the problem with college football is it's filled with too many academics. They have their nose stuck in a book and in a lot of theory and not in rational based thinking and reality when it comes to college football and the consequences of some of their decisions and their policies. Now, the, the transfer portal overall is a very good thing. I believe in the right of an American, regardless of age, to control or have some autonomy over their future and their financial success as it relates to their value, and in particular when it comes to their name, image, and likeness. Now, having said that, I think that there does need to be some parameters on the transfer portal. Like, I don't think you should be able to enter the transfer portal within the season. Now, that wouldn't impact what's gone on right now over the last couple of weeks, but I don't think you should be able to make an emotional or, or uh, irrational decision based on the fact that you didn't feel like you got enough playing time on a Saturday and then on a Sunday in October you enter the transfer portal and you essentially flush your scholarship down the drain. One of the other unintended consequences of this transfer portal is that there is not 3,000 opportunities elsewhere to go and retain a college scholarship. So the education or the miseducation of some of these players is that they're going to enter the transfer portal and then be wooed similar to what they were wooed when they were high school players and being recruited and everyone's going to tell them how great they are. And they're going to still have their opportunity to go and, and further their education. And then in, in several cases, and, and unfortunately hundreds of cases, they're going to take a, a college scholarship and a free education. They're going to flush it down the drain and never find another opportunity of a coach willing to give them that same scholarship offer at a different spot. There's just not enough uh, chairs on the deck of the Titanic, if you will. So, again, some unintended consequences that, that are, are negative with the transfer portal. But overall, I believe in the ability of Americans of all age to benefit from their name, image, and likeness, have the autonomy over their future to find locations that are best for them and their success moving forward. Very quickly, uh, Alabama, Georgia, who you got? I'm going to go with Georgia. I think it's just going to be too tough to beat that team twice. I still think they're the better team, even though Bama beat them already. A few weeks ago, what I saw against that Michigan team, man, they're just too good at the line of scrimmage. All right. All right. Oh, hey, by the way, do you know that uh, today is our uh, 10-year anniversary? Oh, man. Ten years ago I rem- today. I remember it like it was yesterday. I got friend. the Tebow tattoo. Really? It well, was the our- Tebow tattoo was the way that this thing all started. It all started, Mark. Wow. Our first week together, literally, like we'd done two shows together, and Joel's at a tattoo parlor with me as I'm getting my tattoo right before the Broncos-Steeler game, and Joel's looking around going, what have I got myself into? Yeah, it was at that moment that I immediately started looking for other jobs. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good move by you. This is why, you know what, this is why you're an elitist quarterback. I haven't figured that out yet. You know what? Way to go. You know, pretty, pretty head down, work hard, guy, yeah. Mark. That's you know, what that's what you are. Today, yeah. uh, a tattoo. Tomorrow, it's a banana, right? Yeah. Mm. Oh, oh man! So funny. All right, thank you, Joel. Later, boys. Have a good day, Joel Clatt. Presented by Audi Flatirons. All right, so he's going with Georgia. Good answer there. Good answer on the whole. Um, Transfer portal thing. Yeah, for sure. Three, how about that number? 3,000 in the last two months alone. Crazy.
crazy. Crazy. All right. Coming up next, Matt Moore, our Nuggets insider, is going to join us. Also, uh, not everybody's an Aaron Rodgers fan, as you will hear moving ahead. That's next. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Hello, this is Ryan Watson, Vice President and General Manager of Audi Flatirons and Audi Boulder Service. When was the last time a dealership delivered the experience you were looking for? Have you ever felt that buying a car was solely about making the sale? It should be about the relationship, beginning with your commitment to do business with us and continuing through the years to follow. Our team is dedicated to exceeding your expectations from the first mile to the last. Come see us in person or visit us online at AudiFlatirons.com or AudiBoulderService.com. 